Well, it's great to have you and your wife, usually your dad used to, but he's going home to be with the Lord. Yes, sir. Amen. So, brother, you go up and lay what's on your heart. It's our joy to be here. We, we love this church. Um, like the pastor said, we've been coming here a long time, and Lord willing, it'll keep happening. We come a thousand miles to be at church with you today <laughs> from North Carolina. Um, we come up to visit family over in New York, and uh, that's getting thinner too. My dad grew up in a, a family of 11 brothers and sisters, and there's one left. So the, I've got a little brother up here. It's the only other relative I have. Tomorrow we head to South Glens Falls to where Lisa's from, my wife's from, and her family. So we'll see how long we keep coming. It all depends on how many family members stay alive. But, um, God's in control of that. Would you turn your Bibles, if you would, to 1 Peter chapter 1. <clears throat> 1 Peter chapter 1. If you're able, would you stand for the reading of God's word? 1 Peter chapter 1. I'm going to start reading in verse 1. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia and Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through sanctification of the Spirit, unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace unto you, and peace be multiplied. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for preserving it and giving it to us so that we can share it with one another and grow thereby. I pray that you would have your will and way today. You know I am nothing. I know nothing. I have nothing if I don't receive it from you. So I ask, Lord God, that you fill me and use me for your glory now. In Christ's name, amen. <clears throat> I've entitled the message for this morning, the Lord put upon my heart here, living with a lively hope. Living with a lively hope. The Apostle Peter in this passage speaks of a great hope that's available to every believer. Now, not every believer has that great hope, but it's available to us all. I know that today in what we call post-COVID America, um, there's a lot of depression, there's a lot of anxiety, there's a lot of hopelessness in our world today. Peter says that we should, those of us who are saved, we should live with a lively hope, a living hope, a vibrant hope. We should have that living within us. Peter wrote to the Jewish believers in that day who were being severely persecuted for their faith. They were being severely persecuted because they believed on Jesus Christ. You see that in the first verse of what we just read. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Peter called them strangers. That's cut, genuinely, that's what they were. They had been driven from their homeland to all these foreign countries, and they were strangers there. They didn't feel at home. I felt like that when I moved to North Carolina. You know, they speak a different language down there. They really do. We've adapted to a lot of it, but 
Peter called them strangers here. Not only did these strangers, these believers, did they need to know that God had them held in his care from a day-to-day basis, from all the evil and wickedness that was going on around them, from these strangers they were living amongst, but they also needed to know that they have a reason to have a lively hope in spite of their circumstances. Now, I think we all need to know that today, too, as well with things that's going on in America. As we see our country moving away from God instead of toward him like we ought to be doing, in a day when we see a lot of people filled with fear and and hopelessness, in a day that's going totally contrary to what we believe the Bible teaches it ought to be going, let us pray that we can be renewed with an increased sense of hope within us as we study these verses today. This passage really was great news for the the Jewish believers of that day. And it can be great news for us too if we we let it sink down in our heart to make a difference. Although they were scattered at that time, and, and although we're not scattered today, not yet, we're not scattered into foreign lands, we're not strangers, we're still in our homeland. We are living in a day when many people, many people seem to think that hope is all but gone. They've lost all hope. I read a recent study that said that, listen now, in this greatest country the world's ever seen, 48% of Americans feel hopeless today. That's half of America. 48% feel hopeless. Let's face it, our government really doesn't do much to build up hope in any of us. Quite the opposite is true. They, they foster, it seems, they, they incite and instigate a hopelessness. The hopelessness that 48% of Americans are feeling right now. Sadly, we're turning into what I call the land of the hopeless. The land that used to be free. But it's the land of the hopeless today. Even many believers, and I, I said this morning in Sunday school, all the traveling I did with Sea Line, and I do less now, but, <clears throat> but still get out there some. Many believers in good, solid, fundamental Baptist churches, many born-again believers are feeling hopeless and depressed and down as they watch America turn into post-Christian America. I can't help but think this. If some of our ancestors from 15 or 20 years ago could come back, they would think they landed on another planet, or at least in another country, because this is not the America they knew. And it's not the America that they loved. They wouldn't recognize America today. In times like these, in times like these, it's hope that keeps us going. It's hope that says within, deep down in, in our heart, things are bad right now, but someday soon, <laughs> they're going to get a lot better. Hope is what's in our heart and it says, I know my life is racked with sin and sickness and, and problems and struggles and strifes and tribulations and trials. I know I'm struggling. I know that our government is, is now gone corrupt and, and against us in many ways. But one day soon, a perfect government is going to take control and things will be all better. Hope is a strange thing because it can brighten the darkest path, uh, corner of our path. It can, it can give us confidence in the bleakest times that we're going through. But hope is not any good to any of us at all unless our hope is in someone that can and will do what they said they're going to do. And we know that's true with God and his word. 
There's a lot of things that people hope for in life. They have, have hopes in, within them. And it's things that we wish for. Now, the hope that I'm talking about this morning is a hope that we have as believers. It, it, it's not a hope so, it's a no so, but it, it's a faith in. A hope is a, our hope is in the foundation of what Jesus did for us on the cross of Calvary when he paid the price for our sins by giving his life as a substitute for us. It's our hope is in what he's going to do us one day when he takes us out of this wicked world and brings us to dwell with him. That's the hope I want us to be encouraged by. When you have this kind of hope, you can face anything. Face every day. Most parents that I know have great hopes for their children, right? You want their children to, to do well. You, you hope that they'll have a, a great spirituality and walk with the Lord all the days of their lives. You, you, you hope that they'll be physically well all the days of their lives. You, you hope that they'll be financially secure. You know, we have those kind of hopes for our children. <clears throat> I read about one woman that um, was bringing her four-year-old daughter to school one day, and this woman was a doctor. And she had, had set her stethoscope up on the dash, and she's driving her four-year-old daughter to school one day, and the daughter picked up that stethoscope and started to play with it. And the mother looked over, and in her heart, she's like, oh, fantastic, she's going to follow in my footsteps. She's going to be a doctor, too. Until the daughter took that stethoscope and said, welcome to McDonald's, can I take your order? <laughs> her hopes were dashed that day. <laughs> The Apostle Paul, in our passage, speaks of a great hope for all believers. There's a great hope that we can have and we ought to have. Unfortunately, many of us don't. But the hope is that Jesus Christ, he is our lively hope. He's what gives us that hope. He's what our hope is in. He's our living hope. He sacrificed to give us that hope. It's not the kind of hope that, that make you think positive for a little while, but then after a while it leaves you in the lurch. No, this is a hope you can put your faith in, your trust in. It's a living hope. And that's important that it says it's a living hope because it's not a dead hope. It's a lively hope. It's a living hope. It's a hope that God gives us when we're born again. And I just hope that we, I hope beyond hope that we have this kind of hope in our hearts that we believe and we trust in him and our hope is in that he's coming again one day. One day, maybe soon. Eternal life is that living hope. That's the reason for our living hope. It's, it, it's real. Eternal life is real. It exists. It's going to be in a place beyond the stars that we can't see now. But it's real. It exists. And if you're saved, you'll be there one day. The thing that the Apostle Peter here is trying to portray to, to these scattered uh, Jews, Jewish believers as well as to us <clears throat> is that the hope is that someday we will live face to face with God. Did you ever really stop and think, let that sink into our, to my thick skull? We someday will be able to stand before the creator of the universe, the God who spoke everything into existence. I, I, I tremble inside when I even think about it. But that's our hope. Let's see what truths we can find about this living hope that Peter talks about to the Jewish believers, but through the Holy Spirit speaking to us today as well. I find three major important truths that we can find in this portion. And look at First Peter, starting at verse 3. First Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. 
to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. I see three truths here I want us to, to point out to you. First one is this. Let's see the source of this living hope. What is the source? Verse 3, part A says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The source of the living hope that's available to all of us. God's offering it. We have to take it, receive it. The available living hope, the source is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's wonderful. I want us to slow down for a minute and make sure we understand who is our Lord Jesus Christ. To us who are saved, to us who are born again, to us who have this living hope, who is he? Well, first verse 3, part A says he's our Lord. Our Lord. Now you got to make sure you understand this. He can't, it can't be that, well, he's my pastor's Lord. It's, it's my pastor's hope, so, so I have the living hope too. No, it doesn't work that way. Well, mom and dad always had that living hope, so I must have. No, you won't have the living hope because mom and dad did, or grandma, or anybody else. It has to be real to you. It has to be your living hope. In order for this living hope to be yours, Jesus Christ must be your Lord. When Jesus is your Lord... That means that you've made the decision to turn from your sin. You were walking in one way in life and believing in one thing. And you turn from that and you turn to God and accept Jesus Christ and what he says. And his way, you live his way. The Holy Spirit, can, of course, the Holy Spirit draws you. But nobody, including the Holy Spirit, can coerce you or force you into being saved. It's got to be your will, free will choice that you chose to turn to Jesus Christ. It's got to, you know, there's no magic words. There's no magic prayer that you can say that you'll be saved and then have this living hope. It doesn't work that way, my friends. It's a conscious decision that my way is not working. It's leading me to hell. I've got to turn to Jesus. And you turn to him and you make a conscious decision to receive him as your Lord and Savior. Hey, you'll never know the living hope that Peter talks about here until Christ is your Lord. So then he's our Lord. Secondly, he's Jesus. Verse 3, part A again. He is Jesus. The carpenter from Nazareth, the one who claimed to be God in human flesh, the one who claimed to be sent from God into the world to become the Savior of the world, he is Jesus. He's not just another prophet. There's been many. He's not just a good teacher, though there's been many. He's not just another God amongst all the gods of our world. He is who he claimed to be, God in human flesh. If this living hope will ever be yours, then Jesus must be your Lord. You must believe every word, every page of this blessed book. What he gave us as his last will and testament, if you will. His testament to us about himself. You must believe it. You can't say, oh, I'm, I'm saved, but I don't believe these certain parts. People do that. They, they cut out parts of the Bible. That's where all the perversions of the word of God came from. People didn't want to believe that part, so they just, well, we don't need those pages. We don't need that part. You can't be that way, my friends. You've got to believe. You've got to receive it the way he says it in the word. So he's our Lord, those of us who are saved. 
We're still under the, the topic of the source of our living hope. Secondly, he is Jesus. He's who the Bible says he is, God in human flesh. Thirdly, he is Christ. What does that mean? It means he's Messiah. He is the Savior. The one promised by God, Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. He's the one sent from God, Matthew chapter 2, to redeem us from the wrath of God, Romans chapter 6, verse 23. That's, that's who he is, and you must believe that and receive that. You, boy, people today, all the false religions of the world, they want to say, oh, I believe, but. <laughs> There's no buts. The but is, I'm a sinner, and he's the Savior, and I'm going to receive him, and that's the only thing there is to it. And they want to change all that. To escape the wrath of God that's coming upon all mankind. To escape that wrath, there's only one way, and that's through the blood of Jesus Christ, through receiving the forgiveness that he offers. You cannot be saved by works. You cannot be saved by your own power, your own wisdom, your own knowledge. It's only through the blood of Jesus Christ. Verse 2 makes that pretty clear too. This passage teaches us so much about how to obtain this, this living hope that Peter talks about. In our world today, we, we need, I really believe this, we believers, we need this living hope, maybe more than any previous generation. We're living in a strange time. Uh, many of our forefathers wouldn't have imagined about the things we're going through today, but we need to hang on to this living hope. Uh, we're looking around at the world today and all we're seeing is corruption and, and sin and wickedness and just every way you turn it's just, hey, to me it's just like the devil is having a heyday out there. He, he's just running wild. It's like he seems to be running wild like a wild, hey, it's, it's like he's a roaring lion walking about seeking whom he may devour. Doesn't it? Is it just me? That, that's what I see. That's what burdens my heart. And because of this, much of the hope of our world today is gone. 48% of Americans. The loss of hope in our, our society today is the very reason for the rise in suicides and drug use and, and murders and alcoholism and abuse and perversions and, and all the wickedness that's taking place out there. It's because they have no hope and they're reaching out for anything to give them that little bit of hope. <coughs> Sometimes it seems like life is so brief because we're born and in no time at all it seems like we're ready to die. Um, and the Bible even describes our life as like a vapor, like a breath. It's here and then it's gone. And when you compare our lifespan, I don't care if a person lives to 100, 150 years old, compared to eternity, which has no beginning and no end, our short life is nothing to it. Pastor will be laughing at me when I say this because I know he's my senior many a year. But I'm about to turn 65 and uh, I, I, I'm realizing this more every day. See, my mom didn't make it at 65. She went to be with the Lord at 55. I have an aunt who passed away at 45. So if you believe in that whole family tree thing, my family tree has very short branches. <laughs> so at 65, I've lived out the majority of my life, according to those statistics. So statistically speaking, I could be with the Lord pretty soon. If I didn't have Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, I, if I didn't have this living hope, I would be hopeless. 
I'd be destitute and desperate. But because I have Jesus, because I have this hope, <laughs> it doesn't, I'm ready, Lord, when you are. <laughs> it's as simple as that. See, if we all face reality this morning, everyone in this room is dying. <laughs> we all are born to die. That's, that's part of the way God has designed things. It seems like a vicious cycle, but it's the truth of the matter. I'm a realist. I face things the way they are. We're literally born to die. And every single one of us, if God doesn't return, if the rapture doesn't take place, we'll face death someday. That's just the reality of it. And all that really matters then is what you and I will do between the point that we're born and the point that we die. What are you going to do with this short span God's given us called life? What are you going to do? That will determine your eternity. It's so important. I, I got some bad news for you, my friends. I learned this a long time ago. It's bad news. There's no do-overs. Believe me, I didn't get saved until I was 26 years old. There's a major portion of my life I wish I could do over. But you can't. That's why it's so important that you get it right the first time. It's so important that you make the most important decision of your life, not who to marry, where to live, what job. No, to accept Christ, his forgiveness, his pardon. Accept his blood as your penalty for your sins. Accept him as your Lord and Savior. It's so important we do that now before it's too late. So the question then is, how does God stop this vicious cycle we see going on of life and death, of corruption and death that we're all facing? The corruption that Adam brought upon the, the human race. How does God give us this living hope in spite of what we see going on all around us? This living hope we know is from Jesus, but how does that happen? We, we see in the scripture, the living hope through Jesus Christ comes by the mercy of God. Because God is merciful. That's such a concept that we, we miss today too, too often. We are just, there's no way that any one of us could ever be in God's presence, live with God, go to heaven. No way any of us could ever, no matter how good works you think you may have done, there's no way no one, any of us would ever make. Why? Because we're just too sinful. All of sin to come short of the glory of God. And God is just too perfect, holy, righteous, and judged just for any of us to come into his presence apart from his mercy. His mercy means that God withholds his judgment. He doesn't bring the judgment upon us. We, do. we don't get what we deserve. You know, that's a hard concept for us Americans because we're all about, hey, I got that coming to me. Give me what I, I got coming. Give me what I deserve. I don't want what I deserve. I got news for you. And praise God, the mercy of God, I'm not going to get what I deserve. <laughs> I don't know anyone why anyone should be so bold or should I say so stupid, so foolish to dare to say well I believe I've done enough good works that I don't need to go in the south you go knocking on doors, witnessing to people and you meet people like that oh wait a minute my daddy's a preacher and my uncle's a preacher and I've been in church since I was six months old and I don't, I don't need all that, I, I don't need God I, I'm, I'm alright I do good works I don't know anybody that, that, why anybody could be that foolish as to believe that. I think you're an absolute fool if you think that way. There's no way. We are given this living hope, this lively hope, if we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. It comes as part of that 
that wonderful gift that he gives to us. <clears throat> this living hope through Jesus Christ comes also by the new birth. The scripture says, look at verse 3 there. Uh, we'll call it part B. It says that God hath begotten us again. Begotten us again. That literally means born again, reborn. He's begotten us again. There's no hope of eternal life if you're not born again. If you haven't been begotten again. You must be regenerated. You must be made into a, a new person in Christ Jesus to have this living hope. Hey, if you walk down an aisle one day and you bowed your knee and you said a, a flowery prayer and then you got up and you walked out and you had the same attitude and the same habits and the same lifestyle that you did before you came in, you got to question whether you were really saved. Because the Bible says you're a new creature. All things have become new. And I know too many people, where we're from now, that will make that effort, but when they walk out the door, it's all gone. They're all right back to their old lifestyle. I'm sorry, my Bible says that that's not real. It's not. You can't consider that person really saved. It makes you question it at the least. For when you're truly saved, you will be a new creature. This change, this living hope that God offers to us only comes from the new birth. Furthermore, this living hope also comes through Jesus Christ, with, through his resurrection from the dead. Look at verse 3. Let's look at the whole verse again. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again unto a lively hope. How? Here it is. By the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. <coughs> Excuse me. The resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead uh, set him apart from every other man who's ever walked the face of the earth and claimed to be deity, claimed to be divine. It set him apart as different. No one else has come back from the dead as Jesus, Jesus did. I think his greatest miracle of all was his own resurrection that proved who he was, that he was who he said he was, that he was God in the flesh. So then we've, we've seen that the source of our living hope, it is through Jesus Christ and through God's great mercy and through the new birth and through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now let us see the inheritance of this living hope. Move down to verse 4 with me there, if you would, please. Genesis, era, 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 4. After saying that God has begotten us or rebirthed us unto a lively hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, he now says, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. Let's slow down and make sure we see what is this inheritance that we receive. I know my, pa my dad passed away a few years ago and there were, it was an inheritance that he left to his children. So when I read inheritance here, I'm like, okay, what is it that he's left for us? What is it he has promised to us? I want to see it described here in verse 4. It's an inheritance that will never perish because it's incorruptible. That's what verse 4 says. The word means that it's not going to age or deteriorate or rot or die or fade away at all. It's never going to diminish. also says it'll never spoil. It's undefiled. That means this inheritance is free from sickness and disease. No COVID in heaven. Amen. Right? No infection. No, no accidents. No, and of course, no death. That's part of the inheritance. Verse 4 also says it won't fade away. 
It'll last forever and ever and ever and ever and eternally. This inheritance will last. Next, our inheritance is reserved in heaven for us. I love this. It's reserved. That means it's kept there for us. It's literally being held there for us by God the Father himself. He's, he's holding it there for his children. God's simply waiting for us to finish the work that he sent us upon the earth to do, and then we'll go home and get our inheritance from him. I thank God my inheritance is there because everything I have on earth seems to rot and rust and moths come in and destroy it and in heaven it'll last forever. So we've seen the source of our living hope. We've seen the inheritance of our living hope. Lastly, let, it, let us now see the assurance of our living hope. Look at verse 5. Assurance of our living hope. Who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. How do we know for sure that we will receive this inheritance that Peter talks about? Truly the temptations and the, the trials and the, the struggles of life are, are forcefully threatening us every day. Um, they, they sure threaten us to, to take away that inheritance, that lively hope. How do we know for sure that we'll make it through to the end and, and when the Lord comes be ready to receive that inheritance? I believe there's two answers to that here. First one is the assurance of God's power. The assurance of God's power to protect us, to keep us. God's power is protecting us every single day. It's guarding us. It keeps us in this wicked world that we live in. Through the trials and tribulations of life, it keeps us every single day. <clears throat> God will see to it that we reach that glorious end and receive our inheritance from him. Secondly, there's the assurance of our faith. We are kept and shielded not only by God's power and presence, but our, but our faith, which is a gift from God, our faith in Jesus Christ. You know, no person will ever receive this lively hope that Peter talks about or the hope that, that God will one day take us into his presence and give us this inheritance. Nobody can receive that until, until they receive Jesus Christ. Hebrews chapter four, uh, 11 and verse 6 says it best. But without faith, it's impossible, <clears throat> impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he, that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. You've got to have your faith in Jesus Christ and him alone. Not Christ and, no, it's Christ and Christ alone. This lively, this living hope is found in Jesus Christ. Maybe today someone here in this room or somebody watching online, maybe someone would, if they were honest with themselves, they'd have to admit that they're, they're feeling somewhat down, depressed, and hopeless. You know, the more news that you watch, the more hopeless you're going to become. Even me, I've always admitted I'm a news hound. I love the news. I love to know what's going on in the world. But I've had to limit my news watching you know, in recent months and years because it's just getting a bit worse and worse out there. There's stuff I just don't want to know anymore of what's going on. I don't believe that we ought to uh, stick our heads in the, in the sand like an ostrich and say, ah, Nothing going on. There's a lot of wickedness going on out there. And it's not necessarily a bad thing to know about it. But, but listening to too much of the wickedness that's now called news, boy, that can get you down. That can get you depressed. It can even make you hopeless. I recommend that you spend more time reading God's word, praying, listening to good preaching, than you do listening to the wicked news out there. 
Well, I've got to confess, this message has not been very uplifting today. It's been very factual, very biblical. It's true, but it's not terribly uplifting. So I, I want to end on a positive note. I'm going to give you some good no, some great news. In spite of the fact that we're living in a day much like Noah's day, that's just a fact. In spite of the fact that America is gradually becoming more and more like Sodom and Gomorrah, God wants us to live with a lively hope. He wants us to live that way. He offers it to us. A hope that will not fade away. A hope that's reserved for us in heaven. A hope that he will continue to walk with us and strengthen us every day. In a world that's filled with hopelessness like ours is, may we be filled with this living hope. And as we wait for that glorious day and the appearing of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, may we be ever diligent, be doing our job to reach out to other people and tell them how they too can have this lively hope. Let's make sure we're doing our part. Hey, life is too short. It's too short to fail to make the greatest decision of your life. And that is to turn to Jesus, to receive him. Hey, listen to this. When you do that, when you give your life over to Christ to receive him as your Lord and Savior, when you do that, just think about it for a minute. He'll give you the forgiveness of sins. That's greatest of all because you can't get to heaven without your sins being forgiven. He'll give you that forgiveness of sins. But then he says, I'll also give you a lively hope while you're here and now in this wicked world. And he says, furthermore... I'll give you an eternal inheritance that I'm holding for you in heaven. Got your name on it. It's for you. If we just give our life to him. Hey, what a deal. What a God. What a Savior. Let's pray. Father God, I praise you and I thank you for this time with your people here at uh, Calvary Baptist Church. I thank you so much for the pastor and our friendship we've had for long years. I pray, Lord God, you continue to bless this church. I pray that you bless everyone within the sound of my voice. Help us, Lord God, to turn our lives over to you and call upon you and wait for you to give us that lively hope that we so desperately need in this wicked world that things are going all corrupt and going the wrong direction. Lord God, if we would just have this lively hope, everything will be all right. One day, if we just keep looking up, one day you're going to return and take us home. Thank you for that promise. It's more than a hope so. It's a no so. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Lord, I pray that you'd have your will and way now at the invitation. I pray that you'd touch every heart in the room. In Jesus' name. Let's stand with every head bowed and every eye closed. I just have a couple quick questions for you. I don't get to be over here but once a year, so let me be honest. Let's you be honest with me. Is there anybody in this room that can say, Preacher, I'm not 100% sure that I'm going to heaven. I I might be. It it could be, but I'm not 100% sure. If that's you, would you be honest enough with your hand up and back down just so I can pray for you? I won't point you out. I won't make you embarrassed at all. I do want to pray for you, though. Nobody like that. Great. Fantastic. I'm with brothers and sisters in Christ. Then I ask you, You may be saved, but do you have this lively hope? If you don't, call upon the name of the Lord and he'll give it to you. Free of charge. He's got it. He's holding it out. It's reserved for you. Call upon him and ask him. Father God, I thank you again for this day. Be with every heart here. 
Draw us nigh unto thee, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Pastor. We'll return to Hymnals number 398. And as Brother Scott has preached today, do you have an absolute hope? 100% sure. That if you were to die today, right now, that you get a home in heaven. There's one thing that the Bible is clear about, and it says that these things are written unto you that you may know. You can know. You don't have to walk out of here this morning guessing, wondering. You can walk out of here this morning saying, Today, I received Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. And he'll put his, he'll put rather our name in his land's book of life. And when that day comes, if we are not caught up in the rapture, we breathe our last breath. Then we know that the next breath will be in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. So I'm not sure what your hope might be built on. I'm hoping and trusting and praying that it is, it is in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's why we're going to close with hymn number 348. My hope is in the Lord. Not in the fact that I'm a Baptist or that I'm a preacher or that I read my Bible that we tithe on a regular basis that we support missions. Those are just simple things that Christians ought to be doing. Ought to be doing. It is God's expectation of us as the redeemed of the Lord. But this morning, if your hope is not in the Lord, would you just take a few moments and, and say, Preacher, could I meet with you? Talk with you personally. I'd be glad to sit down and talk with you. Share with you from the Word of God. Answer any questions you might have. I wish I could do that for those folks at home down in Delaware and, and uh, Texas and so on down there. But uh, you can talk to me by the phone. And I'll be glad to sit down and talk to you about that. But as a child of God this morning, do you live a life of hope? Do you live a life that is based on the promises that Jesus Christ has given to us so that others around us can sense that there is something so secure, so secure about what you believe, and how you live your life for the Lord Jesus Christ. People need to see that. You and I may be the only scripture a lost person sees or reads at any given time. Amen? So, on that stands, if you want to come to the altar, the altar will be open. If not, just say, preacher, can I meet with you after the service? And if it's ladies, my wife and I will be glad to meet with you. But So, let's sing on the, at least the first stanza anyway. We'll get yes, that sir. one going here. suppress. My only hope is found in Jesus' righteousness. Yes. Amen. We have no righteousness in and of ourselves. We, when we receive Christ, we are clothed with his righteousness. Amen. Because Isaiah wrote and said, all of our righteousnesses are in filthy rags. Yes. 
And so I'm so thankful that today that we were clothed with the righteousness of Christ. Amen. On that second stanza. No merit of my own is anger to surprise. My only hope is found in Jesus righteousness for me. servant today. Lord, we also rejoice and Lord, so many times we pray for so many things and we don't always get to notice the beautiful answers and with Eloise this morning and then taking care of Amity and the baby. Lord, our hearts are, are so full of joy and so full of excitement. Lord, to see these wonderful, powerful answers to prayer. And, Lord, we know that you love to answer prayers. Lord, it is your desires according to your will and your purpose for our lives. But, Lord, again, may we take the things that we've heard today and see it, not just seal them up in our heart, but, Lord, Lord, allow them to percolate and to assimilate into our bodies and our minds and our thoughts and our processes in life. And, Father, we'll give you the praise, we'll give you the honor, we'll give you the glory. Now, Father, won't you dismiss us with thy blessings, we pray in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, and all God's people say. Amen. Amen. Six o'clock tonight, Brother Steve's on deck. Amen.